Well, welcome back, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Here we are again talking about marriage. And now we're going to talk about something that I think is super fun because it was something we did yeah. way back when we were dating. We didn't even realize, really know what we were doing when we did this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a neat thing that God took us on a journey. Yeah, I think like many people, we look at our parents and we say what we want to be like. And we see things that we're like, I don't want to bring that into our relationship. And so that's kind of where some of this yeah, conversation came from. We yeah. had seen other couples, we had seen our own you know, families, and we said, this was going to help us in where we're going. And so we're calling today Holy Promises. And it really started back when we were dating. And you and I took a piece of paper and yeah. we wrote down you know, things that we would do and things that we wouldn't do. Kind of like the word boundaries. We had put some boundaries into our dating relationship that have followed us, not just through dating, but all the way through our marriage as well, that have become like key foundational um, bedrock principles that we've lived our life and our marriage by. Um, And I don't think we fully understood what we were doing, even when we did it back however many years ago that was. And a lot of what we're about to talk about can be summed up in the word honoring each other, like honor. And it goes back to the Ephesians 5 that we talked about in the last session, which was just preferring each other, honoring one another, husbands, wives, honoring each other. Um, That's what this conversation's about. And all the choices, all the boundaries, all the promises we made was because we wanted to make sure we were honoring one another in the good times yeah. and honoring one another when we didn't feel like honoring one another. And we, we, we use the phrase pre-choice choice. What yeah. is a pre-choice choice? Pre-choice choice is a pre-choice choice. It's a decision. Wow, that was powerful. I hope you wrote that down. <laughs> it's that, a deep, deep. Um, <laughs> it's a decision that you make. You know that you're going to be faced with a choice in the future. And rather than waiting until you are faced with that decision and making your choice in the moment, right? Because emotions are high in the moment. You make a decision ahead of time, a pre-choice choice of what your response, a reaction is going to be when something happens. So you decide ahead of time. So you don't leave it to chance. You don't leave it to your reaction. You make a pre-choice choice. When this happens, this is what I will do. Which is the promises that we made. Yeah. When this happens or if this happens... We've already promised that this is, this how is our we, response. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the ones we wrote down, and the only reason we say that we wrote down is because if you take this conversation uh, between you and your spouse, and maybe later on, yeah, go write out some promises to each other. Absolutely. It may be different than the ones we did, but we wanted to share our promises, which we made over 25 years ago, maybe so probably maybe 27, 29. 28 yeah. years ago. Yeah, 28 years ago. And because they became a part of the fabric of our choices, our habits, it's interesting because just recently we were on a family vacation and you told yes. the kids we were teaching this and what you, would you ask them? Well, we didn't, it's funny because the kids had never heard even these pre-choice choices. Right. They've never, we've never read them what we're about to read to you. We'd never read to them right. about it. Um, so I, we asked them, you know, we're teaching a marriage class. We're like, hey, what have you learned about marriage from watching dad and I? And we got some pretty cool responses back. And maybe at the end of this, I'll read it real quick, what um, our daughter wrote in response to it. Um, But it was interesting how many of the things that we're about to read of these boundaries, of these pre-choice choices that were on our list that our kids didn't know was on our list, that they commented on and was what stood out to them, what they learned about marriage just from watching us. Yeah. So it showed up in our marriage. So Mm -hmm. here's a few examples of our 
promises. First one is this. And, and again, these were written by like 17, 18 year old Kevin and Maria. So yeah. they may seem like pretty simple. But they've know, stuck with but us. They, in, in some way, shape or form, it is kept instead the test of time. So the first one is never talk about other people as attractive. Uh, so that would be if you're watching a movie, if you see someone in the mall or you see somebody, you know, somewhere, right. I never would compliment or point that person out like, man, isn't she hot? Or thank you for look that. At, yeah. Look at her hair. Or isn't look at that body or something to that effect. Right. Yeah. So how did that affect our marriage? And, and what no, does that it had a huge like? effect on it? Because anytime if we're sitting in a movie theater and we're watching a movie and you're starting to comment on the ladies or the women or the girls on the screen automatically, what does that do for me? It makes me insecure. How do it makes me go into comparative reality? Mm -hmm. Like I begin to compare myself to that person, which is not fair for me to have to do that. Whether you intended for that to be the case or not, I'm automatically going, well, am I attractive to him? Well, I don't have that body shape. I don't have that hair color. My legs are not that long. I will never look like Barbie, you know, or whoever else is on that screen. And so it just kind of, it sows a little bit of an insecurity inside of me. Um, and you were so gracious to say that you would never do that. And, and same way, I think that it sows into women. It sows into men too. Like I yeah. made a commitment to you that I would never sit there and be like, ooh, you know, I'm so attracted to this person or yeah. isn't he hot or whatever. Yeah, or um, look at those abs. <laughs> Is this, I, I have never had abs. I have one you abs. You have abs, honey. <laughs> they're there. They're just, they're just insulated. Yeah. Aww. But you've always been gracious to not make me feel, right? Like mm -hmm. that I'm not good enough, right? And that's where those little jokes, those little prods, they don't realize it. It just sows insecurity. Insecurity. So yet, how does that so add funny. value to your marriage? It doesn't. And then you want your spouse to be totally secure and come on to you and not yeah. be ashamed of what they look like and how they feel um, in the yeah. bedroom. Yeah. But you've just like, compared. Hey, and told why don't them, you come and yeah, not have all just, those clothes on? And you're like, well, you just told me I was. I didn't not look at you. You're comparing me to these <laughs> right, other people, exactly. and I know I can't measure up to them. Exactly. And so that doesn't. It's kind of counter. Productive. Yeah, counterproductive. Absolutely. So jealousy only kills. Yes. It's not helpful. And you, you might think, well, I'm going to make her jealous or I'm going to make him jealous. But um, again, by you're commenting. sowing those seeds. Right. And that, sowing bad seeds never creates good harvest. So absolutely. So the next, uh, the next one, you want to read the next one? Never get vicious or personal with our fighting. Fights end sooner without baggage. So we know that disagreements and arguments are going to happen. You and I are not going to see eye to eye on every right. single thing that happens because we're two completely different people and we're made, God created us to have different viewpoints and different um, perspectives on life and things that happen. He designed us to be different. And so we know that there's going to be moments, points of contention. But when that happens, we're not going to make the argument about each other. We're not going to say you are an idiot. For example, we may say, I didn't like that, or I didn't like how that made me feel, or I felt like you disregarded me in this instance, but not you jerk. You. So it's okay it. to disagree. It's absolutely it's okay, okay to, to disagree. Even, even have a fight or a discussion about a thing or an Absolutely. Event, you need to. But that's you keep how you, it about that. Yeah. And you have to have that communication because you have to be truthful and that's how you come together and talk about it. But it's only healthy if you're actually talking about that thing. Thing, thing and not making it personal about the other yeah, person. Anytime, and I hope you're hearing this when we say this on this podcast, anytime you cut personally, anytime you attack the person, right. their intelligence, um, you know, just who they are, their identity, whatever, that's when baggage comes in, Absolutely. I believe. Like 
it's so much easier to go have dinner and enjoy the rest of the night after having a, ne- a discussion about something when it was about that thing. Yeah. Then if you began to use insults. Yeah. To do, uh, belittle the other person. Well, you can't take the words back. Right. It's like you can't stick words back into like toothpaste can't go back in the tooth tube. Right. You Correct. know, so you can't get those words back and they are powerful and they do have an effect. Yeah. So that was something we promised each other. And we really have kept to that in 25 years. We've disagreed. We'd have things we strongly disagreed about, but we never attacked each other. Never it never personal. became about you yeah. or about me. Right. And that I think has saved us so, so much. much pain. Yeah, so absolutely. Much. The third promise that we'll use as an example, as you think through promises or boundaries was this, we would never leave the house in a fight. Now, you may disagree with that as someone listening. They may think that's their process or whatever. But for us, I made a promise because I had seen this as more of a male thing. And maybe women are this way. I don't know. But in my generation growing up, I had seen other college age, 20 year olds when they would get mad or upset. It was like we would leave the house like little pouty baby boys. And, And typically we would leave and they'd go hang out with the boys or they'd go you know, whatever, you know, to cool off, go for a drive, go for a motorcycle ride, go out. And they would storm out of the house. And I would see moms who wouldn't because they were actually the mature adult in the situation. And they're like, we have children here. And I don't have the ability just to abandon those kids and go hang out with the girls and storm out of here. And, and it was like, it seemed really unfair that the guy was like, well, I'm leaving and I'll come back when I'm cooled off. And typically what would happen is they would come back and hours later, and it wasn't that the fight was resolved. It was the one party went to bed and then they never addressed it the next day, or even if they did. Now there's more baggage because there's offense there. Like you walked away, you know, you ran away in the fight. And so it was like, it created so much more stress. And so we put a boundary on ourselves that would say, we're not right. storming out of the house. We're not leaving the ring <laughs> until yeah. after we've talk this through. Yeah. Well, and then it, it, again, it, it, it makes sure that we're going to have the conversations and we're going to work it out. We're not just going to run away and run away from any of those conversations or arguments. And it's not fair. One person doesn't get to leave and the other person have to stay. Absolutely. Yeah, it's powerful. What's it's next? Uh, no sleeping on the couch. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. there's one. We put that one in place. I'm so thankful that we did because obviously we know that there are people with medical issues, different things like that. And we're not saying that, but typically that sleeping on the couch is reserved as a punishment or like a doghouse. Yeah. Like you're in the doghouse, you did something wrong. And we just decided, listen, we're not going to go down that slippery slope. We're not going to let anything attack our oneness, right? We're not going to let um, those arguments begin to separate us. If we're going to have those arguments and we're continuing to come together, we're going to make sure this is worked out because we have to go to sleep in the same room, in the same bed, and um, we're not going to separate. And I wasn't going to use that as a power trip over you and to say you're not allowed up here um, and to let anything else creep into the foundation of our marriage. And again, that just came from me, you know, having friends in school. Oh, yeah. I would go over to their house. And we'd spend the night at their house and I'd see the dad asleep on the couch or sleep on the rock on the recliner. Mom's in the room. And every time I saw that example repeatedly, it's not that you don't fall asleep once in a while watching a movie or something, but I get that. But I mean, this was a habit. Every one of those marriages ended and and they were already kind of dead. They were already fractured. They were already broken and fractured. And I just, in my little teenage brain thought, well, I wonder if they 
were lying together in bed every night and they didn't allow this, if maybe they would have worked that out, they would have gone back and had conversations or touched again or embraced or who knows what. But the moment you start separating, you're like, you're out of the bed, you're in the other room. It's just one more step away and one more step away and one more step away. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Number five, and we only, we have nine of these. So number five, never use the word divorce. Again, power of words, you're sowing seeds, life and death are in the power of the tongue. It's not the, you know, the trump card and a deck of cards, Mm -mm. you know, like we're going to get in a fight and the way to end this fight is to say, I'm going to divorce you or I should have never married you. There's, there's a bunch of people listening to that. Your spouse is listening to it and it's so seed in them. You're listening to it. And it's opening that opportunity in your head. The devil's listening to it. God's listening to it. Your kids are listening to it. You just remove the remove the word from your vocabulary. It will never come towards no, your No, because you're not going to keep that door open. You're yeah. going to get rid of that back door. And you, why would you sow a seed of anything breaking your oneness? Yeah. All right, let's keep talking. Number six. We don't spend over a certain amount of money without asking each other. Yeah, the money conversation. Money conversation. And I would say, you know, in different seasons of life, what that number is changes. You know, when we were first married. I think when we first wrote this. It could have been like 25 bucks. It was. It was 25 Because we just didn't have anything. (laughs) To us, that was $1,000. I mean, that was a ton of money. So if it was under 25 bucks, it wasn't a big deal um, to talk to one another about anything over 25. And obviously, as you go through different seasons of life and you decide in your marriage, what that threshold is. What are you comfortable with one another having that discretionary? It doesn't matter to you. They can make the choices. But then when is it a big enough conversation that the two of you say, listen, I, you know, we need to just agree on that. Um, And I'm so thankful for that because we continually come back, hey, um, this is going to cost a little bit more. This is what this is. What do you think? And so then there's a, you guys are united when you make those decisions um, about the finances and there's no point in fingers. There's no like you frivolous spender. Um, and it just helps take tension out of some part of the conversation about finances. There's, in a lot of ways, that's really good. When you do end up buying a bigger purchase, United. you've already talked about it. So now there's no pointing fingers later when it's tight. And you're like, well, you bought that thing. Right. Well, <laughs> and it also keeps one person. Yeah. Sometimes one party is like, well, I have the ability to go spend $1,000 or $2,000 or whatever it is on my own, but you don't. And listen, you're married and you... It's not his and hers. It's not his and hers. It's both of yours. And so it's across the board. You guys have equal say yeah. on where that goes. And um, making that decision in a united front is a big deal. Yeah, and that would go into a different conversation than today, but we're not huge fans of, like, one person, they're like, well, I'm the breadwinner. And they get to control everything. And they control the marriage through Mm-mm. being the breadwinner, and then they just give an allowance to their spouse. Who doesn't get to have a say. The, and that puts your spouse, like, you're a parent, and your spouse is like your child. You know, your spouse, even though they may not have the same paycheck size, you know, they're, everyone's contributing and everyone is deserving. Like they're, whatever they're doing is helping release the other into what they're doing. It is a partnership. And it's a partnership. And so again, that whole money discussion, there's a lot of respect involved and honor involved in how you use the money together. And not trying to control somebody. Right. And not treating them like they're a child either. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, and, and again, these came from examples. These, these things didn't come from just out of the sky. We would have friends or other couples where the husband would go out and buy a $400 game console. The couple was newly married. They had very little money. 
But he was like, I wanted a game console. I deserve a game console. Well, who knows, but your wife might have been okay with that. But coming home with it without any awareness, well, knowing and then you not bills allowing to pay. her to go do something that she needs, wants to do, or that's yeah, important to her. She's trying to be responsible. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's just disrespectful. And, and it, it, can, it, it sounds like a little thing, but it's a big thing. I've had husbands who show up with Jeeps or boats or motorcycles and never told their spouse about, but yet then they get all mad when their spouse shows up with something else. And again, it goes back to honor, back to respecting each other. So it's a bigger conversation. It really is. Yeah. You talk to each other about spending. Absolutely. Uh, number seven, uh, that go, I guess we just talked about this. We mm -hmm. share the money. It's not my money or her money, uh, but it's our money. No matter who made it, we're both responsible to make sure the bills are paid, that we've given our tithes and offerings. Actually, that would be first. Mm -hmm. We always give Very our first. tithes and offerings first. first. We always agreed about that. Bills are paid, and then we would decide on the extra, yeah, right, and absolutely. savings and things like that. Yeah, and that's what we do together. We and make we those decisions about where the money's going to go together. It's a conversation. Yeah. Together. Um, number eight, we don't keep secrets. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's a big one for me. I am big, big, big. <laughs> I'm not keeping secrets, um, which means there's nothing hidden from either one of us, whether it's sins, mistakes, feelings, uh, important conversations. We're one. Um, we're just very open and honest. There's not any part of my life that you don't know or have access to, and there's right. not any part of your life that I don't have access to. And yeah. that just cultivates so much trust. I'm never surprised. The kids know there's nothing that um, they can tell us that mom isn't going to tell dad, or they, they're going to tell you that dad isn't going to tell mom. Yeah. Like we, we are, we are one. It's kind of funny. I even have access to your phone. Mm -hmm. um, that started years and ago. I think that's a big deal. Like you don't put a password on your phone that your spouse can't open it. Right. Because right? that just is a door. It's a temptation, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to hide things. To and it started at one point, just me even trying to look for a specific text to figure out if we missed something. Yeah. But now it's been kind of fun. The kids will be like, mom, are you on dad's phone again? And I'll look just to see what we've like, your schedule's been like or different things like that. And, um, but what's beautiful is there's such a high level of trust between us. You have access to my phone. I have access to your mm -hmm. phone. Um, there are no secrets. And then now in the area of, of mistakes and sin, yeah. you know, um, we've been married 25 years. There's been times you've come to me, times I've come to you, you know, I'm, I was on social media or something, saw something I shouldn't have seen cause it just comes, Yeah. you know, and I immediately would tell you, Hey, yeah. I saw this today or, or there was some commercial that I, you know, I was honestly, I shouldn't have been looking at that commercial that came on and right. I, but we started always, and you made it a safe place for me to tell you if I had stumbled in that area or if I had done something that was, you know, could be sin or open a door to sin. And you, you made it a safe place for me to be truthful. Yeah. So therefore there were no secrets. And again, not judgmental. when you start hiding failures or sins, then it gives it energy. It, it gives does. it the power to grow under the surface. But truth sets you free. Truth, truth takes the oxygen yeah. out of it. So it kills, it kills it. kills it right away. So right it doesn't away. turn into a habit. It doesn't right. turn into a second incidence right. and a third Our natural incidence. inclination, our flesh wants to run away from telling the truth. As yeah. soon as it happens, we want to hide it. We want to pretend like it didn't happen and we want to run away. And so it takes courage. It takes faith and it takes obedience to God to expose it immediately. But it's the only way to kill it. It's the only way to protect um, it's the only way to protect your marriage too, is just by being truthful immediately. But again, you created a safe place for me and I hope to create the same. Yeah. Like if you did something that you were embarrassed about or that you felt like a failure in, Absolutely. that I wouldn't make you feel small. 
Right. I wouldn't make you feel judged. And that's the way God is with us. Right. When we go to him, right. he doesn't say, you dirty, nasty, can't believe it. You And take it personally, even like you just did it against me. You know, sometimes we sin or, you know, guys even see something. It has nothing to do with not being fulfilled in their marriage. It just has to do with temptation and falling to it or whatever. Um, but you always created a safe place for me to be honest and authentic. And I think that's important because if you want to cultivate that type of truth, then there has to, you have to cultivate an environment for truth. Yes, absolutely. That's beautiful. Excellent. All right. Our last one for today is we decided to be each other's best friend in relationships. And again, this is from examples, other relationships where guys would get married, girls would get married. And it was as if, it was as if they had more fun or enjoyed their buddies more than being home with the old ball and chain, right? That yeah, kind of expression. That's awful. You know, and it was like, no, like, I want to go out with the guys. I'm going to go bowling. We're going to go play darts. We're going to go whatever. <laughs> Those illustrations. Darts. <laughs> darts. Have you ever played darts, honey? <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> but it just came to mind. I'm imagining. But the idea was that somehow the friends outside of your marriage were more... Like I need to go exciting, exciting or yeah. entertaining or yeah. more fun. And the the wife or the spouse was more the responsibility or, you know, the adulting part of life. And you're holding on to your bachelorhood or bachelorettehood or whatever. And we just decided that we were going to be each other's best friends. Like being with you, I would much rather be with you than hanging out with like five guys. Like I, I used to lead intern programs and we used to have to take trips and then being in a hotel room with like six guys cross country, it's smelly, it's stinky. I couldn't wait to get home <laughs> to a nice smelling, <laughs> soft <laughs> embrace of my wife. And I would think to myself, that was fun for a week, but man, I'm glad that's not my life anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we just decided that we were going to be like, yeah. um, and even when we went through stuff, it wasn't call my best friend. First. First, it was, we were working this out. And God brings godly friendships, right? So the friendships aren't bad. Like you having some guy friends that are close to you that you can call and pray with. We've done that over the years. I've got girlfriends that I can do that with as well. And that's not a bad thing. Like those are godly friendships, but it's the priority that they have in your life, the position that they have in your life. You are the first person I go yeah. to. Um, I love hanging with you. I love being with the girls for sure. But my first priority, the first person is always going to be you. And we've just cultivated that over the years. It's yeah. never, I have to go spend time with my wife. I love it. All right. We enjoy each other's yes. time, which again goes towards that long-term vision because one day. It's going to be know, just us. It will be just us. And I won't be full-time in a church or full-time yeah. traveling or something. We're going to have a lot of time hopefully together. And I don't want you to be, and you wouldn't want me to be like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for death. You know? Jeez, <laughs> like, that's terrible. We enjoy yeah. the time yeah. and being together. So. So even looking at these, I would just encourage the listeners, you know, take some time. And this is a fun exercise to do with your spouse is to write down some yeah. of the promises. Maybe you can borrow choices, ours. Yeah. You, you're welcome to do that. Or kind of what are some of yours pre-choice mm -hmm. choices that you would sit down? And it's not too late. Like, yes, we did this when we were teenagers. But at this stage in our life, um, you know, like it doesn't matter how long you've been married because you can always start new things, right? Now, it may take a while to implement because we've gotten to habits that maybe aren't good, but this even helps us write down new habits that we're going to build into our marriage. And so even if you just start with two, 
you know, pre-choice choices and let those build up. You can add to them over time as well, but I just, it's a fun exercise that you can do with your spouse. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking you had mentioned some of the things that kids remembered and commented on, and that was actually the thing about, um, truth and not having any secrets. Are you going to read it to them? Yes. The reason it blessed us was because we never intentionally told the kids yeah. about this, yeah. but yet they were able to verbalize some of these very things. Yeah. And they didn't know just any from of this. observing. Yeah. So our daughter Kylie said this, um, when out, we were asking her, what did you learn about marriage from dad and I, she said, you guys never let an argument or disagreement come between you. You never let it escalate and you take the time to hear each other out and come up with the best conclusion. You also never talk poorly about the other behind their backs. You only say positive things or give helpful feedback in a gentle way. You are also very disciplined in what you two allow into your lives so that you will never stumble due to what you watch, etc. You both hold the utmost of integrity with each other and make sure that your love is known every minute and every hour of the day. That's awesome. How cool is that? Cool. And it was really fun to see the correlation between some of these pre-choice mm-hmm. choices and the fact that they never heard these. And then this is some of the result of what they've seen. Yeah. And so my final statement will be this. When we taught this recently at the church, I did have individuals that were a little older. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they looked at that conversation and said, well, we're older now. And so it's not going to, we probably wouldn't do that. But thanks for the lesson. And I was just so sad that they missed it that they thought we're too old to make choices, to plan, to make mm-hmm. boundaries, start sowing seeds. You're never out of seed. Because you still have future, you still have breath in your lungs. Mm -hmm. So you still have the ability to sow seed into the future. And so you're never done. That's almost like saying, I'm at this age now, so I have zero purpose. And God has still put breath in your lungs as a seed. Every word that you speak is a seed. So you can still create the future so that, you know, we still have the ability to make choices of how we're going to do the last season of our life. Absolutely. So we encourage you to try it out. Write some things out and hopefully you'll see amazing results. I mean, it's work. It doesn't always feel yeah. amazing, but it's the right thing. When you do the right thing over time, it bears much fruit. So bless you guys. We'll talk to you again.